Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss what else? New Eagles head coach, Nick Sirianni. Chris, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, it, it took a long while to get here, it seems like, but uh, it looks like the Eagles finally have their head coach and uh, still, undec- still undecided. I mean, how are you doing? Well, I, you know, I think I, I got a feeling that this was going to happen when I got a text message Tuesday night about how the meeting went. Uh, so I was told to give you a little bit of insight. Uh, Nick Sirianni was called really last minute. I believe it was Monday night, actually. And he was in the area. They, they met with him. He really knocked them off their socks with some of his coaching suggestions. It seemed like he was really, uh, in the middle, in the thick of this, even though being a late candidate, he was calling around to potential coaching candidate, uh, coaching, uh, staff members, immediately after the interview. So that normally doesn't happen. Um, And then they liked him so much after, I believe it was six hours, a six hour conversation uh, with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. They welcomed him back uh, on Wednesday, even though they were interviewing Dennis Allen that day. And and this became very, very real. This was a, this was somebody who really nailed his interview, kind of blew them away. He was also, you know, he's Frank Reich's pupil uh, worked with him in Indy for three years as his offensive coordinator. Before that, he was his wide res- he was his quarterbacks coach with Philip Rivers in with the Chargers. And look, the Eagles like familiarity. They like working with people who have worked with people that they know. They clearly have a lot of respect for Frank Reich and his offense. The Colts averaged over twenty eight points a game last year. We all know that the Eagles only averaged twenty point nine points per game. Uh, this past season. And look, they wanted to take a shot on a guy who they felt could develop long-term. This was not a, a a for now hire, in my opinion. I think this is a long-term grow with your quarterback, grow with your young roster sort of move. And they're going to have to be patient with him. This can't be one of those impatient, like give him two years and then he's out of the building sort of things. They need to, they need to really kind of, now that they've made this move, they really need to see where this goes. This is a guy who's never called plays before, even though he was very heavily involved in the play calling in San Diego, Los Angeles, and Indianapolis. Uh, he's a guy who's very well connected in the league, has played under a lot of really successful head coaches. Um, and he kind of has his his own kind of uh, trajectory through the NFL where he's coached under Todd Haley, Romeo Cornell, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and uh, Frank Reich. So that's five guys. That's that's pretty informative, especially when you are trying to craft your own design on things. Um, you had a great piece about getting to know him. Uh, kind of take us through his background a little bit. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, he did start out at Mount Union. As a wide, he was actually a decent wide receiver. It was all Ohio Valley Conference while he was there. Uh, he played a little. Uh, uh, I'd never heard of this league before, but the Atlantic Indoor Football League, and uh, he played a little time there. But then he started 
ascend his way up. He went back to Mount Union, became a, a assistant there. Then he went over to Indiana University of Pennsylvania, spent some time as a wide receivers coach there. And then he really uh, got noticed by Haley and became a, a offensive quality control coach. And and you start to see that trajectory, like you mentioned. He starts to go from there. Then he goes over to San Diego, and then next you know he goes to the Colts. He's he works with Philip Rivers. Uh, I really think if there's any bright spot that you really could see with this hire is what he did with the wide receivers there. I mean, he had a rookie Mike Williams and he also had a uh, Keenan Allen there. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, Keenan Allen makes his uh, first Pro Bowl during that season. He coaches him and Mike Williams had a good rookie season. So you have that. And then he went over to Indianapolis Colts with Frank Wright. He went with Frank Wright over to Indianapolis and all of a sudden he became the offensive coordinator. That's his guy. This is a guy he's molded and his protege and comes from a coaching family. Uh, his his brother uh, coaches Washington Jefferson College. His dad and his brother coached at uh, Southwestern Central, which is a uh, Sirianni's uh, high school as well too. So it's in the blood. I mean, I think that's why everybody, everybody talks about a coach's son. He he really personifies that in a way, I guess, when it, when it comes to uh, the position where he's at today. I think that that experience definitely helped him out when it came. To yeah, I mean, he, I've spoken to a lot of people around the league, in, in, including uh, former. Uh, Saints and Dolphins GM Randy Mueller, who served as the senior uh, advisor for the Chargers for a lot of years. He was a head executive there. Um, he says that Nick's a really genuine guy. His approach is very genuine. He says that his players are always prepared. Uh, he said that when when players don't pan out, it's typically because they don't know what they're doing. And he said the great thing about Nick is he's able to teach in a way that you always feel like the players are prepared. And I think that that's a really cool sentiment from an executive. Uh, I spoke to somebody who's worked with him in the past who said the guy is very special because he knows how to identify strengths as opposed to focusing on the totality of a player or uh, his weaknesses called him very energetic. Um, I spoke with his his brother who just said, this is a guy who's going to work his butt off. He was working 20-hour days as an assistant, and now it's kind of paid off. Uh, I spoke to um, his college quarterback uh, who just said the guy is just the consummate competitor who wants to just do right by his teammates and play well. Uh, so he's a guy that is really admired in kind of all walks of his life. And I think, you know, it's not really surprising when you talk to people around the league that he nailed this interview. Um, was he a sleeper candidate? Absolutely. Did he come out of kind of nowhere? Yeah, of course. Most people listening to this podcast hadn't heard of him a week ago. Um, I knew the name. I really didn't know a ton about him uh, before I kind of did some digging. And look, I, I think a lot of people, were split on Josh McDaniels. There were people that were trying to talk themselves into him and he was, he was the ace in the hole until this interview on Tuesday. And I think, uh, I think the Eagles may have dodged a bullet to be honest with you, based on my conversations with people that have worked with McDaniels in the past. Uh, I found it alarming that a lot of new England Patriots for former new England Patriots players did not return my calls uh, I spoke to Brandon Stokely, uh, who was with him in Denver, and he said that it was the one time in his career where he kind of felt negativity. He called him Hurricane Josh. So, look, I, I, I think when you're looking at a retread who 
bombed as hard as Josh did in Denver um, and who really didn't do a great job last year when he didn't have Tom Brady. I think, I think the, there's an understanding or, or there's a, a, a deserved skepticism about him. Uh, do I think he deserves a second shot? Yes. But I think I would have probably preferred it had Howie Roseman been dismissed as well. And this was a clean slate team. I would have said Josh McDaniel should be the higher. But if you're going to keep Howie Roseman around and you believe in Howie Roseman, that's the reason why you're keeping him. Then it makes sense to have a more collaborative process, because I can tell you people in the league thought that a Josh McDaniels, Howie Roseman marriage was going to end really poorly. And while there are some people that really want to move on from Howie Roseman, uh, you don't really want that type of clash in your organization, no matter what it leads to. Uh, And so look, Maybe Sirianni was the safe hire. Maybe Sirianni was a guy who they felt like they could oversee pretty well because he doesn't have a ton of clout. But I will tell you, people in the league know that he is extremely assertive, extremely competitive, and I don't think he's just going to be a pushover as some fans have maybe kind of uh, put that out there. I saw Emmanuel Acho called him a a potential puppet. I don't see that. Um, I do see why people think that they went with a guy with, with a lack of clout so that they could control him. But I think they're going to try to put a really, really good staff around him of veteran coaches. And I think that'll kind of negate that whole uh, power structure sort of uh, sort of thing. I wanted to talk to you about what this means for the quarterback position, because to me, this is. This is Carson Wentz's first big win since October. Like to me, this you're, you're hiring this guy with the thought process of. He's going to, he's, look, he's a former quarterbacks coach. He's a former wide receivers coach. He's been with Frank Reich, Carson's uh, mentor. Um, He calls a pretty similar offense and the terminology is very similar to what Reich used here. Um, It just kind of seems like this was a tailor-made hire for Carson Wentz. Now I have an issue with that and we'll talk about that later. Uh, But is that the vibe you got as well? Well, yeah, I, I, I feel it is, and, and that I personally think that's not the right thing to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, this guy supposedly is a quarterback whisperer, especially with his past with a quarterback being a quarterback's coach. I think they really did this for Wentz, and now when you look at the when you look at Jalen Hurts, now you got to wonder what's going through his mind. I mean, you went ahead, you drafted this guy with a second round pick, and in last year's draft, and now you're sitting there looking like, all right, do you trade him? I mean. He played decently. He played decently. You got to think that some people want to kind of inquire at least to see what's going on for there. And then if he come back, if he comes back, I mean, you got to got to make sure that he stays healthy because you don't you won't probably won't have Nate Sudfeld. I mean, if Nate Sudfeld comes back, I'll be shocked after the way everything ended here and also just him being on silence. He probably wants a shot to start somewhere. Which good luck to him. But when it comes to, I mean, I don't think. We've seen the last of Jalen Hurts. If they decide to keep him, there's still different ways that the Eagles can go ahead and use him. I mean, Sirianni in the Colts, what they did was they used Jacoby Brissett in a way where they brought him in on short yardage packages. They brought him here near the goal line. And similar to what we saw what the Eagles did with Jalen Hurts early in the year, they went ahead, they, they ran a version of zone read. They, they have some different passes they can run off of that as well, too. So there are things they can do with it. Hopefully, if they do decide to stick with Hurts, they can go ahead and actually be a little bit more creative instead of just going, 
okay, here's zone read. We know what's coming around. Okay, he ran his own read, get him off and put Carson back in. But if I'm the Eagles, I, I mean, I really think that they may be, there's a severe possibility they may move on from him just to uh, make Wentz happy. I mean, they did the coach. I mean, what if what he goes now to the front office and says, hey, I feel better now and I, I want this guy gone. Or they do that as well, too. It's just, they just put themselves in a bad situation here. So I want to talk about this because I actually kind of like the hire. Uh, I just don't like the process, right? Um, I think when you're looking at uh, – I think when you're looking at what this team really needs, it's not just the offense. It's not just the – one quarterback that needs to be fixed. This is a complete rebuild. It's a, uh, it's just a need to fix everything here. And that's why you've got to be able to surround yourself with a good staff. Maybe that's why uh, they liked him because they felt like he was bringing a, a senior staff member that could fix the defensive side of the ball. I was told that he reached out to some veteran defensive coordinators. I don't know if that's what he's inevitably going to do, but this team needs like a complete overhaul, not just from a, a, a roster standpoint, but from a culture and a coaching standpoint. And I think my issue is if you're only doing this to really benefit one player, you're doing it wrong. So I'm not going to jump to conclusions and say they only believed in Sirianni because he could fix their now thrice invested quarterback in Carson Wentz, a guy who we're not actually sure if he's going to be the guy in a year. Um, But they have to, in order to make this decision, they had to look at this as an overarching thing. And I'm not sure that they did. What's your take on that? I think, yeah, they, they, I think they would have just focused on a one thing and that was it. And they didn't take into account, you know, the whole entire defense. I mean, He's going to have. I agree that they're going to have to go ahead and get a lot of veteran coaches around around him, especially being a first time head coach, similar to what uh, Jim Schwartz was to Doug Peterson. They're going to have to do that, but it, it, this this decision just reeks of okay, we only had we we have to fix one thing, and then we'll just let the chips fall where they may with the other stuff. And another thing, now you have to question is now when you start looking at staff. Are they, which type of defense are they going to stick with? Are they going to stick with a 4-3 or are they going to go with a 3-4? And if you get a 3-4, you're going to have to go ahead and invest a lot more resources into a position that they've always turned a blind eye to or didn't value as much. I mean, you know you, you can use Graham. Graham has experience playing outside linebacker in a system like that. And we, we haven't seen Derek Barnett. Is he Can he play in something like that? So is, there's so many questions now that – come on that side of the ball, I mean, they, they, they've they looked offense, offense, offense. They're going to have to get a head coach caliber defensive coordinator. I mean, and this is all speculation, but, I mean, just me, we, we saw that Wade Phillips said, hey, you know what, he's itching to get back in the game. Do they try to reach out to him if they really feel like they want to go to a 3-4? Or do they go ahead and try to find a guy? My guy, Steve Wilkes, who just joined up with Missouri, so he's off the table, but – they're going to have to try to find a way. I like, I like your story as well, too. Gunnerman, uh, the defensive backs coach in Indianapolis. I think that's a really good name as well, too. So Yeah, Jonathan Gannon. Good Gannon, yeah. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, look, I, I think he needs to surround himself with at least two former head coaches. That's where I'm at. Uh, I just did a story projecting his, his, uh, his potential staff. Um, I had Gannon as his defensive coordinator. I had Phipps staying as a special teams coordinator. 
but I also had uh, Jim Codwell as his offensive coordinator. They don't have a lot of connections, but that's something that I think the the team would would want to put on him. Uh, I had Mike McCoy, who was his head coach that he worked under in with the Chargers as his quarterbacks coach. I also had Anthony Lynn as the running backs coach slash assistant head coach. If you're going to replace Deuce Staley, and as you wrote yesterday, that it's probably time for Deuce to move on, you've got to do it with a name because you've got a young kid in Miles Sanders who really needs to learn the ropes and improve himself. And look, Anthony Lynn was a, was a, you know, wasn't a success. I mean, wasn't as successful on offense as Deuce was during his career, but he was around some really talented running backs. Uh, he's been a head coach. He has cloud. He's played in the league. And I think that that would make a lot of sense. Um, I think there's this sense that the Eagles uh, are going with this youth movement and, and, and this rebuild but that doesn't mean that their staff has to reflect that way. As a matter of fact, I would say their staff needs to really have a lot of experience. I'm interested to see what happens with Jeff Stoutland, Doug Marone, uh, the, the former Jags coach who I used to cover, accepted the Alabama job that he was rumored to be interested in. I think if we're if we're being honest with ourselves, hiring the young guy leaves a lot of room for for really intriguing coaching staff members. Uh, I'm not sure Josh McDaniels is going to take a lot of guys from new England. Um, so there's that. Um, I was also told that, that the Eagles had a lot of interest in Kellen Moore. And so I, I think that their, their outlook was to bring in someone young and bring in somebody who was new and could follow that kind of Andy Reed model. And I think that that was the right way to go. So give me your final thoughts on this, Chris. What is your feeling? I know you said you're kind of up in the air, but give me your overall thoughts as we move into the first week of the Sirianni era. I think uh, they look, I think when everything looks back, I think the, I think people are going to wish they kept Doug Peterson. I really think that Deuce Daly was the one that really should have gotten his job even for a little bit. And I think Sirianni, he's going to have to go ahead and win over that locker room very quickly because he had a lot of uh, current players in there vouching for Deuce. And he's going to have to show that he's a, he's the right guy for the job. And if not, it could, it, it could get real interesting really quickly in there, especially if uh, you start hearing about the stuff that, oh, he's he, he's their guy. And especially he was the one that they hired just for wins, it seems like. So it's going to get real interesting if he can't prove himself that he can actually do the job. So, so here, here's what I'll say to that. While I agree, do should have been a main option. I do think this team has this mindset of being too loyal to the past uh, for better or worse. Uh, we've seen that with, with players. We've seen that with coaches. I think it's time just with the way that last season went, they need to, have a full on uh, reworking. Now would Howie Roseman be part of that? Ideally. Yes, but they've already made the decision that he's not. So you've got to roll with the punches. Um, I think there will be some, some position coaches who are kept, but I'm not sure that this is going to be a coaching staff that we can clearly recognize uh, as longtime uh, observers of this team. So with that said, uh, make sure you 
sign up for Eagles Extra, 14 days free trial. We're doing um, Q&As every Friday. Chris will handle the one on this week uh, at noon. I think what's great about Eagles Extra, as these head coaching, er, as these coaching candidates come in and we get all this news, you're going to get that right to your phone. You can avoid the clutter of social media and we'll get it right to you. You can have conversations with us. You can get in-depth analysis. We had a lot on Sirianni before he was hired, by the way, uh, exclusive to Eagles Extra. So make sure you sign up for that. Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. Also, make sure you download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. We like uh, creating noise in your head. You know what I mean? So uh, for Chris, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you very, very soon.